Welcome to Groundbreakers from 4constructionpros.com, the podcast that highlights the innovative equipment, technology, companies, and individuals that are breaking new ground in the construction industry. My name is Becky Schultz, editor of Equipment Today, and in this episode, Ted Mort, Chief Innovation Officer at Zealous, discusses the advances made in building information modeling and virtual reality adoption during the pandemic, its growing acceptance among smaller contractors and on smaller projects, as well as the opportunities it offers beyond building construction. Let's get the scoop with Ted now. Ted, thanks again for joining me. Uh, I'd really like to learn a little more about Zealous first. If we could start off with that, can you tell us a little bit about your organization? Uh, definitely, Becky. Thanks for, for having us, first of all. Really excited to participate with you here on the, the broadcast. Uh, Zealous, we, we started 10 years ago focused on technology-based services for AEC stakeholders. And 10 years ago was just a lifetime in construction technology. Uh, when we started, we were really looking at, at technologies that were primarily cost prohibitive uh, for your general stakeholders to adopt. And not only that, but it was relatively new to the industry. So there weren't a whole lot of cases of ROI, uh, which gave us a really interesting opportunity to interact with a very broad spectrum of individuals and specialties. Uh, while sort of mitigating their risk and exposure to that investment. This really focused on two different groups, uh, new buildings, or I'm sorry, uh, existing buildings and new construction. So when we worked with existing buildings, we utilized that latest hardware and software to create digital twins of the physical structures that they use in design and construction along with facility management. When we move over into new construction, primarily the, the, the design side, uh, we're focused on providing that virtual design and construction service, which is part of the BIM uh, workflow, building information modeling. You, you mentioned the digital twins, and that is still something that causes uh, some confusion in the industry. Can you just kind of walk through what that entails? I'll tell you, that is a very ambiguous statement, digital. <laughs> so exactly. The, the confusion, it, it's all over, the, all over the board from business or building owners to, to contractors. I think everyone has their own definition of a digital twin because digital twins represent uh, different things to different people. When we're looking at the design side, a digital twin can be something as simple as an accurate 2D floor plan of a facility that reflects those existing conditions so that the designers can go in and know what they're working with. Um, we all know that typically what's designed and what's built is gonna vary, uh, especially as you go through iterations of tenant improvement and change. Um, sometimes that digital twin is, is not as accurate if you're working just off of those, those original drawings. So you know, from the very base level, a digital twin can be something as simple as accurate floor plans. Uh, all the way to really, really complex 3D models that are being used by facility owners to predict building performance. So there's a very wide spectrum, broad spectrum of variations in a digital twin, which is, I think, what makes it difficult to really wrap our, our minds around from a singular definition standpoint because of the fact that it, it does vary so widely. 
And you know, there's there's a tremendous amount of, of value at different stages of it. Um, I think that you know Hollywood does a lot to make us think about these digital twins and that we're we're going into some future state of you know building automation and management. And it's not always the case. Okay. And, and I think that's helpful to kind of get the, the feel that this is not necessarily something that is the same concept to each person. It depends on how they're utilizing the information and, and the types of technology they have available. And I, I would like to talk about technology in general, the, the building information modeling specifically, BIM. Uh, obviously, you know, we've been through an interesting time frame um, with the pandemic. It's really caused a lot of changes in the industry and acceleration of technology adoption. And I'd like to get your insights in into how that things have changed for the building information modeling sector. How has that changed adoption and, and how has the technology evolved to address the, the challenges that contractors were facing during this time? Great question. And that's been on the mind of, of everyone over this last you know, year and a half. Uh, Virtual design and construction and BIM was really in a great position uh, to help us maintain the industry as we were going through the pandemic. In fact, the pandemic took down a lot of the perceived barriers to adoption, um, primarily focused around remote work. We, we in the construction industry are used to having our job trailers and people on site and, and you know working with their hands out there at the job. And that was working against uh, the BIM industry for a good period of time because of the fact that these groups were were disconnected from the field teams. And it seemed like that gap was very hard to traverse, where due to the pandemic, everybody moving into this more remote work, even on the construction side, we've had to become more in tuned and accustomed with working through digital means. And that has really blossomed the adoption of BIM in these construction uh, opportunities, because we're seeing people that are more, you know, quote unquote, old school, that are now used to using things like Zoom and Teams meetings to communicate. So really the next evolution of that is integrating the 3D representation of what they're communicating about prior to going out there on site and building it, which really moves into the, what I think is secondary um, to the value we're seeing uh, an emphasis on trying to reduce physical interaction, right? So reducing that on-site labor, which has always been something that the BIM industry has championed, saying, hey, look, this is going to help increase safety, mitigate your risk, uh, improve quality by reducing that on-site labor through off-site prefabrication. Off-site prefabrication is only gonna work if you utilize a, a BIM workflow on the front end for allowing trades to coordinate the designs digitally before they go out there and build it on site. So really the, the two massive impacts that we've seen through this pandemic have been the, the embracing of a remote work mentality along with the need for offsite prefabrication, not just from a risk mitigation and the quality perspective, but also just out of the, the consciousness of COVID practices, right? And wanting to maintain some social distancing. 
That's interesting. I haven't necessarily heard the, the correlation between BIM and prefab before. So that's, that's a really interesting perspective on things. And obviously, you know, looking at the whole issue of labor, it's not also only about safety. It's all also about addressing the fact that it's very difficult to get people into construction, the construction workforce right now. So it helps to mitigate some of those problems, I would imagine. Absolutely. I think that construction's experiencing the same, you know, labor shortages that that everyone else is right now. And uh, this is a great way to, to do more with less, essentially. Um, offsite prefabrication is, you know, uh, it's, it's ripe for conflict. If you're just working off of design drawings, you'd be surprised how many, uh, what they call clashes, right, which is two systems interacting in the same space together occur during the design process, where when you create everything in 3D, you bring the traits together in this virtual you know, round table and you present their representations of what they're about to install. You identify just at the simplest level, you know, spatial coordination to reduce that conflict. Now, when they go and build that offsite and prefabricate it, bring it to the site, there's a higher level of confidence that what they're gonna put in uh, isn't going to conflict. Right. Are you seeing, um, is this primarily for larger building projects or are you seeing the adoption rate among uh, smaller projects and smaller contractors also changing? Great question. So historically, I think with most technologies, you're going to see them adopted with the bigger players, right? There's just a larger budgetary line item to to address and, and embrace sort of new technology. Um, what we're seeing though is BIM's becoming so prevalent that now we're, we're experiencing owner expectations. We'll go back to like the digital twins. Owners are realizing that, hey, we can control our thermostat at our house, you know, from our phone and, and I can see what's going on and, and manage the rooms and uh, all these things that I can't do it with my building. Um, those expectations are now getting pushed down into the construction world. So the owners coming to the table with the architect during design and saying, um, you know, I'm interested in, in taking advantage of, of a digital twin for my new construction. And that can be any size building at this point. And during the design process, they're learning that, hey, digital twins are already existing in the facility. Construction's been doing it for years now. So... I'm going to make that a contractual requirement um, to provide some level of, of 3D spatial representation of my facility so that I can take advantage of it downstream during facilities. Now, I know I sort of took a long, a long route to the answer here, um, but I believe that owner interest in 3D is now driving a, a more granular adoption uh, during the construction process. And that in turn is pushing out to some of the smaller contractors that wouldn't have been exposed to maybe a hospital build previously that would have been utilizing, you know, building information modeling to make sure that they're getting the most out of their plenum space. Now it could be something as, uh, you know, simple as a small commercial building that's going up on a couple acres. Right, right. I, uh, it, it's interesting that we are, that there is kind of that migration 
to smaller projects, like you say, but there obviously are still, there may be some contractors who are still hesitant to consider BIM adoption, virtual um, technology, things like that. What do you see as some of the barriers there to not just consideration of implementation, but also onboarding it into these types of operations? So there's, I usually put the barriers in, in two primary categories. There's contractual barriers, and then there's competency barriers. And if I am a smaller contractor looking at um, entering into a project that's going to require BIM, the contract is there. However, I may not have that competency to, to provide the service and check the box. We're seeing a lot more of that just zealous as a service provider and pairing up with these more, you know, smaller, mid-sized uh, trade contractors that want to pursue these larger projects or these projects that include BIM requirements. And we're helping them check that contract box and saying, we're going to provide you the competency and we're going to help you along the way, determine whether or not this is something you want to develop internally or not. And that's a great way to mitigate some of the the risk and exposure of that investment, because BIM is a very heavy investment. And, uh, you know, construction, we, we see peaks and valleys. We're going to pick up a project and BIM may only play a, a role in maybe the, the first 30% of that project. But if you have those people on staff and you have the technology on staff, then you've got to carry that load until your next project, which you know, it, it makes it a very difficult thing for these smaller organizations. Luckily, they're, you know, Zealous is out there. There's also a number of others uh, that provide great service. And you know, I think finding the right partner lets you get involved without taking on that internal risk. So, so can you talk about how um, a, company, a company like yours, like Zealous, can partner with an, a contractor to help them to be able to take advantage of the opportunities that, that BIM provides and, uh, and the, the virtual world provides to them? Uh, how, how do you work with them to do that? And can you maybe cite possibly an example of how you've worked with the company to, to help them to facilitate that process? Absolutely. Absolutely. And from the BIM perspective, there's really, I'll throw it in two different lanes again. Uh, we we have really a turnkey solution, and then we have what's closer to like a staff augmentation. And those two things are going to apply to different, different consumers. So a smaller organization without a BIM team, um, without experience that just wants to get involved for the first time, uh, we're looking at really a turnkey type solution. That means that we're going to work with that contractor uh, through their bidding process. We're going to provide them some budgetary numbers. Uh, we'll help them review the contract for the BIM requirements, make sure that they are uh, positioning themselves in a way to be successful through that. Um, we help them ask clarifying questions. And then upon award, we step in and represent really that BIM team for them now, what's really important with this is the interaction of your traditional team members with this contract BIM team. Um, a lot of places, there are a lot of engagements. You know, this sort of comes secondary. We, we like to really bring this up to the front because although we can help you win the contract, there's no reason not to get added value for your own workflow and process. 
Although you could go in and say, sure, we'll we'll represent everything in 3D and make sure that we're avoiding conflict and we're going to check the boxes. Um, let's take that now and say, well, how is your team going to, to work out in the field and how can we utilize now this new tool that you have available to you uh, to drive more value for those team members, even if it's not prefabrication, you know, getting the stakeholders that are going to be installing involved and looking at this digitally before they step foot on site is going to make them a heck of a lot more efficient. On the other side, if we have clients that already have BIM teams, uh, in a lot of cases, those, those groups, they're going to, they can take on a project load and then eventually they're going to be restricted, right? They're going to say, we don't have enough people to do more work, especially over on the BIM side. Uh, we see that happen more often than not, where we step in and say, okay, which project do you have? Who do you need? And we can facilitate some of those resources to them. For example, you know, there's um, some large high purity manufacturing facilities. And again, this is big, but it could apply to large scale or small scale projects. Uh, these large projects, they take these on. They're usually really fast tracked. It takes a lot of people up front and then there's nothing for a period of months. So they may have, you know, the client may have 10 people on staff for BIM, but they need 20 for a duration of three months. Uh, this is an opportunity for them to really flex their workforce up to that 20 by using a contractor like Zealous to come in and supplement their labor uh, that then they can reduce and remove when the need's not there anymore. So really two ways of engagement. Um, the first one, I think, for smaller contractors is, is very successful. Um, the staff augmentation is, is key for those larger contractors that are looking to take on more work. Right. I, I, essentially, what you're doing is allowing those the smaller contractors to kind of put their get their toe in the water of BIM application and, and be able to take advantage of the technology in a positive way without the huge capital investment. But you're also enabling larger companies with their own BIM teams to, to better utilize their resources and, and disseminate those out to projects where they can be utilized and, and take on additional capacity through the use of a service like Zellos. So I'm curious where BIM, you see BIM heading in future. I, I, we're hearing inclinations of digital twins being used in other areas beyond the building industry, um, such as in civil construction projects. Do you see other opportunities out there to apply BIM beyond the traditional um, aspects that it's been used on up to this point? Definitely. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up the you know, horizontal construction and the civil side. You know, I've, I personally come from a, a land survey and civil engineering background. And it always struck me um, as interesting that, you know, horizontally, we've been using GIS for a long time. And GIS systems are essentially BIM, but horizontal. And there's always been this divide between GIS and BIM, not necessarily a divide, but again, sort of a gap that um, seemed very difficult to traverse. Both are systems that are containing information digitally about what is physically being constructed. Um, and what we're, we're seeing now is more opportunity opening up as GIS and BIM um, are recognizing that they're operating really in the same space. So 
you see software manufacturers that have historically produced these GIS platforms like Esri, um, now looking at going vertical and realizing that there's opportunities to integrate these 3D models of the structures into their sort of more 2D horizontal representations through geographic information systems, the GIS. So tremendous amount of opportunity. Um, I'm seeing a lot on the utility side as far as interest from the owners groups in, in having even just asset management. So you know, when we're looking at pipelines and um, utility infrastructure that's traveling you know, massive amounts of distance, uh, these, these groups are now looking for ways to embrace digital twin representations of those assets beyond just the geographic information system overlay, which is more representative of like a 2D map. Right, and, and certainly I could see the opportunities moving forward um, on, on the transportation side, um, whether you're talking about interstate highways, bridges, things like that. But it gets a bit more complicated when you're looking at that because so many times the DOTs are involved and have very specific requirements. Um, do you see that as a possible um, opportunity for BIM as well? I do. They, there needs to be more adoption, I think, at the DOT level. For BIM, they're still very heavily invested in GIS. And I think that their adoption will, will probably follow the GIS platforms becoming more representative of um, you know, these, these BIM authoring softwares. So when we are looking at transportation and interstates, you know, they still have the same interest in, in you know, asset management, again, sort of driving from the owner's position down and saying, hey, we get value out of understanding more of the information about the model that's being created. And we understand from the owner's position that during the construction process, there's an opportunity to integrate that information. So now you're getting the pressure from the top, you know, pushing the workflows from the bottom and Really, you combine that with things like digital terrain modeling and, and automated um, you know, material handling equipment. It, now we're at a point where there's a lot of inroads leading to the same place that will create opportunity. And there does seem to be a tremendous amount of opportunity in the virtual world for the construction industry. I'm curious if you have a sense of where building information modeling and the virtual reality, all of those, the, the various components that go into BIM. Do you have a sense of what might be next for this technology or perhaps even just from your scope at Zealous, what's the next step going forward? Boy, that is a tough one. And I think if I knew definitively the answer there, I would, uh, I'd have a quite the crystal ball, um, it, but it changes. It, I can tell you this: there's a lot of change happening. There's a tremendous amount of investment in the built industry right now, and a tremendous amount of interest from from everyone on the contracting trade side, all the way up to owner facility management. Um, really. My, my perspective on it is that it's not going to be real flashy. We're not going to see, although there's robots running around the place and there's a lot more virtual reality uh, being adopted, augmented reality. 
Uh, I think one of the most impactful things we're going to see is all the stakeholders coming together and recognizing that they share in an opportunity for value through adoption and greater alignment through contracting. So it's not, it's not an exciting uh, what's next, but I, from the standpoint of you know, cool gadgets that are flying around the place, but when we're looking at the practical application of this technology, really the next stage in the evolution, I think is all the stakeholders coming together around the table and recognizing that we really need to address um, these more historical contract configurations that are preventing us from embracing really deep value throughout the life cycle of a facility. That may not sound all that exciting in some ways. It's not like the whiz-bang futuristic thing coming down the pipeline, but how critical that is to improving the processes on the construction site and be able, being able to see a true return on investment from the technology. Uh, Ted, this has been a fascinating conversation. I think you've given us some great insight into this technology. I, I want to thank you for joining me. And is there anything else that you'd like to share at this point? You know, Becky, just looking forward to keeping the momentum in the industry up. We're uh, we're at a great place right now from, you know, investment, from opportunity and from technology. Um, you know, want to encourage everybody to, to get out there and explore how you can make your business better through the adoption of, of BIM-related technologies. Thank you again, Ted. Been great chatting with you. Thanks, Becky. Well, that's all the time we have today. Thank you to our guest, Ted Mort at Zealous, for joining us. Tune in every week for another episode of the Groundbreakers podcast by 4constructionpros.com. Be sure to subscribe and share as we break more new ground together. Until next time.